You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming this morning. It's good to see everybody out this morning, and hello to people online as well. It is good that you were watching. Wow. So, today, today we get to take a break from the book of Luke. What? Okay, I'm kind of glad that that's the response and not like, yay, because the book of Luke is pretty good. But you also might notice that Pastor Greg is not here. And those two events are not related, I promise. I'm not trying to like sneak a rogue sermon in here when he's not listening. No, it just happened that we rearranged a few weeks ago and the verses that I was supposed to be preaching on this morning got slipped into the message that he preached last week. And so lo and behold, we had a, had a spare Sunday. And so the, what I was thinking about doing is that because of the upcoming outreach team meeting this morning or this afternoon, I was going to preach a sermon on evangelism. It seemed fitting. It seemed fitting. And I was going to take this time and give us a bit of practical direction into the heart of evangelism. And by practical, I do not mean the script that you should use every time you try to talk to someone about Jesus. Because I don't think there is like the one way that we should talk about Jesus to everybody. Right? Everybody is an individual. Everybody has their own questions, their own concerns, their own ideas going on in their mind. So why would we try to boil evangelism down to like this one script? And I don't, by practical, I don't mean to show you the, like the, you know, the top three verses that are about evangelism in the Bible. Because I think like the whole Bible is, is, is telling God's story, telling God's love story for us. And so that's not really what I mean either. What I do mean by practical, and I went on the internet, I found a definition, and this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. And one of the definitions I found of practical is likely to succeed or be effective in real circumstances. And so the question has to be asked, what is effective and successful evangelism in the real circumstances of life that we live in? Well, I can say with some certainty the end goal that we look forward to when we're evangelizing and when we're reaching out to people is that people will become followers and disciples of Christ, right? They will know that they are sinners and that Jesus died for their sins on the cross in order to forgive their sins and that they will have their lives changed by the Holy Spirit so that they can live their lives as God, as their Lord and Savior. So that's the end result of evangelism, and then discipleship starts after that. How do we get there? How do we get to this end result of evangelism? And I want to give you two ideas today. Uh, These two ideas are probably the most basic ideas out there when it comes to to, uh, this conversation. But today, they are the most, I would say, the most practical and effective ways of showing God's love to other people. And so here here this is. This is the the two plans for evangelism that I want to talk about today. And this is pretty simple, but it's pray and love your neighbor. So 
it's groundbreaking, I know. Take, take notes, take notes, this is good. I firmly believe in the power of simplicity at this point. I do know that as you take these two basic concepts, these two basic themes, uh, and start to unpack them, I do realize that there's complexities, right? That there, there's things that need to be thought through and worked through as you put them into practice in your own certain area, right? And I understand that. There's a, multiple, there's a multitude, right, of different ways of praying and seeking God. And, and seeking God is not this clear-cut endeavor. I really wish it was, but it isn't. Because we, we can be doing it for our whole entire lives, and it seems as if sometimes we, we want specific results, but God, that's not the way, the direction that God wants us to go. And so we don't always get the, the desired effects that we want. You know, loving our neighbor is not a, a simple 10-step process in two easy weeks that will uh, produce fruitful friendships and followers of Jesus. That's just not the way it works, right? And I know this because, and I think you can all agree with me, because we all live in the same broken world with the same broken people, and sometimes we just we don't know what to pray for. We don't know, and we, and we find it really hard to love our neighbors because they're annoying. All right, We just don't know them, and, we, and so we try to make excuses, all that kind of stuff. And so with all that being said and acknowledged, and I definitely acknowledge it, let's start a journey today, though. That's, you know, that, that, like, there, there's some complexities. We can deal with that as we go. But right now, let's just let, let, let's, let's take a deep breath. Like, seriously. Just relax just a little bit, because I bet talking about evangelism kind of makes some of us nervous. Right? Just take a deep breath. Acknowledge the fact that, yes, we are human. Right? We're bound to mess up. Jesus knows that. But let's start praying. And let's start loving our neighbor. And as the complexities, as the issues come up, well, then we can keep on praying. And we can keep on talking. And we can figure these things out. And so, the reason that we need to pray, the reason that prayer is basic, in, in not just an evangelism context, but in, in like the, the whole Christian life complex context, sorry, is because without prayer... We are not connected to God. We are not seeking God if we don't pray. And how do we know what God is leading us to do without that very basic conversation of prayer? Yes, I do understand and I realize and I agree that God's Word, the Bible, that is very clear. And so praying and reading the Bible, reading the Word, they need to go hand in hand. If we do not pray, though, we are not in communication with that author of the book that, wrote, that we read. And so at the beginning of the book of Acts, the Acts is a great story. Yeah, the book of Acts is a great resource when we want to look at, you know, at evangelism because it seemed to work for, for them there. So in the book of Acts, right at the beginning, right after the disciples had returned from Jesus ascending into heaven... It says that they returned to Jerusalem and they all went back to the, to the room or the, the, the rooms that they were staying in. And it says in Acts 1, 14, all these disciples with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer 
together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And these words, they give us an idea of what the prayer lives of these people were like. And they give us an example to follow. These followers were waiting. They were waiting for what was to come. Spoiler, it was Pentecost. Pentecost was coming. The giving of the the Holy Spirit. And in the meantime, well, Jesus said, you know, stay in Jerusalem and wait. And so they're like, okay, how can we wait? Well, let's pray. Let's, let's, you know, fill our time with useful endeavors. And so it says they were of one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. And what that means is that they were, this is a, a, definite, a Greek definition, they were continually continuing to pray. I love that. Two times, continually continuing to pray together in a way that was perfectly harmonized. They were persevering in prayer, being steadfast and attentive to it. And they did it together as a group. They were all praying in the same direction. Another Greek word that's found in there is the the one for one accord. And the Greek word is homothumadon. Can we say that together? Homothumadon. Right on. It sounds like a dinosaur, but it's not. Homothumadon, which according uh, to Thayer's Greek definitions, and this is, I don't know, if you've ever had a chance to read Thayer's Greek definitions, it's not known for its, uh, you know, vitality and, and emotion in it. But I thought that this, the definition that he, he writes for this specific word, homothumadon, you'll have to get used to me saying that a lot this night, today. That, here's the definition. It's a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. The image is almost musical. Musical notes on the scale, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. As the instruments of a great concert, under the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. Whew, that's good. That's a good, that's a good picture. And what a, like, what a beautiful picture of prayer. Continually harmonizing as we come to the Father in prayer. And all through the book of Acts, if you read through it, we see the group of Jesus followers coming together to pray all the time. That was their go-to first step about everything. And so should it be with us. They prayed for boldness to spread the word of God. They prayed for direction in who they should send out and where they should go. And and they devoted themselves to prayer as part of their regular daily life. So we go on to Acts chapter 4, 23 to 31, and we find the believers lifting their voices together to God and praying for boldness and for God to act in power as they continue to spread the word of God. They had just faced some persecution. They had faced some, the, the, the leaders, the religious leaders of the day didn't like what they were doing, and so they were told to stop. But they went back and they started to pray, well, can probably continued to pray for boldness. And so in verse 31, it tells us the result of this prayer meeting. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. In Ephesians 6, 18-20, Paul encourages the church to continue to pray for others and to pray for him that he would speak the word of God boldly as he knows he ought to. So I wonder, I wonder, do we pray for others? Do we pray for ourselves that we would speak the word of God boldly? God has really convicted me about this in the last few months. And so I'm praying. I'm praying that God would both give me opportunities to speak the word of God and that he would give me boldness to do it in. Because I'll be honest, I need it. (laughs) Evangelism does not come easy for me. It's not my my go-to reaction. And I don't want to make excuses though. I imagine that it took a lot of boldness and, and might I suggest a lot of prayer for said boldness for, for someone like Paul in the book of Acts to preach to people who wanted to and eventually started to stone him in the city of Lystra. Like, that was an unreceptive audience. <laughs> not only did they not laugh at his jokes, uh, maybe he, I think he told jokes, they didn't laugh at them, but then they, they like grabbed him and they drug him out of the city and then they threw stones at him. It's like, that's a, that's a, that's a hard crowd. <laughs> they threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. But then the people, the, the believers gathered around him and he simply got back up and went back into the city. So, whew, boldness. So God, I pray that you would give me boldness. I pray that you would give us boldness to preach and speak the word of God. A guy named Philip, he was praying in Acts 8.26. And in that verse, he was specifically told by an angel of the Lord, it says, to go to a certain place where he was able, he didn't know why he was going to that place, but he went there, and because he listened to this angel of God, he was able to meet a court official from Ethiopia, explain the scriptures to him, pointing to Jesus, and resulting in this guy's getting baptized. And traditionally speaking, it was that guy who went back to Ethiopia and was an evangelist there. And he, he, he started the Ethiopia of Ethiopian Orthodox Church. So it's like the history right there, because Philip was obedient to God. Ananias, another man, he was praying in Acts chapter 9 and had a vision of the Lord, it says, which directed him to go to a certain house and pray for Saul to recover his sight. Now Ananias knew full well that Saul had come, was coming to the city to persecute Christians. But Ananias listened to God. He was praying, he listened to God, and he goes because God tells him to. And, he, and Paul recovers his sight, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Gentile world has their first missionary. In Acts 13, the church in Antioch were praying and seeking God about what to do. Kind of seems like they were, they were, you know, in their ministry, they had their church, but they're like, what's next, God? What's next? And so they had a prayer meeting, or maybe lots of prayer meetings. They continued in prayer, and it says in Acts 13, 2 and 3, 
while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And after that, if you read, continue reading in the book of Acts, it seems pretty easy to deduce that Paul and his associates lived a life filled with prayer. And it's interesting, in Acts 16, 6-10, I'm not going to read it, but it, it tells this really interesting story of, of Paul and his, his disciples, or his associates, his missionaries, of being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to a certain area to preach. So don't go there, but instead he has, it says he has a vision of a man pleading with him to come to an area called Macedonia. And of course, Paul listens and obeys. These people were people who prayed. They could know and understand the voice of God because they were constantly seeking Him. They were continually continuing in prayer. So when God spoke by the Holy Spirit or by a vision or by an angel of the Lord, these people listened to the voice of God because they knew that voice. And they acted upon it. They obeyed it. And so, I also wonder, do we pray that God would give us a desire to pray? Do we pray that God would give us the opportunities to speak the Word of God? Do we pray for God to lead you where He wants you to go? And are you continuing in prayer so that you can know the voice of God. That you can know the leading of God in your life. So step one in evangelism is to pray. And then continually continue to pray in the same direction, in harmony with others together. Step one in evangelism is also <laughs> to love your neighbor. These two things are not one after the other, or it's not one or the other. It is both together. Pray and love your neighbor together. And that's step one, that's step two, step three. That's all the steps. Before we go on, I do want to clarify what loving your neighbor means. It's important enough, I think, to have a wide enough definition of who our neighbor is. Going again to, to Thayer's Greek definitions, I guess it's a good book, I've been quoting it a lot. Uh, one of the ways to define the word neighbor is, according to Christ, any other man or woman, irrespective of nation or religion with whom we live, or whom we chance to meet. So that's kind of, you know, like a, a big scattered definition. But in short, your neighbor, the one whom you should love, is anybody. <laughs> is anyone that is around you. You definitely don't have to agree with them. You don't have to agree with their opinions before you start to love them. 
And you definitely don't need to try to convince them of your opinions as you love them. I'm reminded, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan. And he was looking after that beat up man that he found on the road. And it seems like he just simply had mercy on him. And he loved him. And he took care of him. He, he took him to the hotel. He paid for his bill. He just loved this man. And Jesus asks us to do the same to anyone who's around us. Going back to the book of Acts, there's a few verses that I want to pull out a few points from, a couple points from. This is going to be, again, a very wide-angle snapshot. And as I've said, you know, the, the complexities, the, the issues that result in this idea will need to be worked out in your own context. And I acknowledge that. But generally speaking, wide-angle snapshot. Let's read together uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47. And this is kind of the, the, the account of daily life that the followers of Jesus did. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So in verse 46, there's some very important words. And in the ESV, which I was reading for, it says, attending the temple together. In the King James Version, it reads, continuing daily in one accord. And it's here we find that awesome Greek word that we learned about earlier. Homothumadon. Let's say it together again. Homothumadon. <laughs> Just remember dinosaur and you'll get it. No, don't do that. The people were in unison, though. They were going in the same direction as they had lived their in. Sorry, the people were in unison, going in the same direction as they lived their lives. The picture I have here is that, you know, they they still had jobs to go to, they still had kids to look after, they still had families, and they still had lives to live, but they were all headed in unison, in the same direction. They probably didn't spend, you know, like 24-7 time together. But they were, as a whole group, devoted to heading in the same direction in harmony as they loved and followed God. These verses speak of these people devoting themselves to what the apostles were teaching, to being together, to eating together when they could, and, and, and to praying together devoting themselves to prayer. They had all things in common, it says. They took care of one another. They worshipped God together, both in the temple and in their homes. And they had favor with the people around them. They were living out homothumadon. And I believe that it's because of this harmony and living, out in, the, living in the same direction that God caused people around them to notice them 
and to be attracted to this new way of following God. It's because of homothumadon that they had favor with all the people. And that caused people, led by the Holy Spirit, to come and be saved and added to their number. This group of people were living out love your neighbor in front of people and also inviting those neighbors to join them. And they were doing life together, which was practical evangelism. It was successful. It was effective. Praying and loving your neighbor. These two things are to be pursued at the same time in the spirit of homothumadon. As a church body together in the same direction, let us pursue bold prayers and boldly loving our neighbors. Pete Gregg, the founder, as we already, the founder of an organization called 24-7 Prayer. We read one of the prayers that he had written for the Ukrainian crisis right now. He also once said, prayer without action is religion in hiding. If we pray but we do not act, we need to heed the words of, of James that he says in James 2, 14-17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and well fed, without giving him the things that he needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And if I could be so bold to add to Pete's quote, I would say that action without prayer is short-lived and misdirected. Can you imagine trying to continuously love your neighbor without the help and the strength of God? Can you imagine trying to live a holy life without being in communion with God? Living by your own strength does not get us very far. I think we all know that from personal experience. And so action and prayer, they need to go together. A modern day example of, of this type of life, I believe, can be found in Mother Teresa. And her faith and action went hand in hand. Her life was totally committed to send, serving the poor, the sick, and the dying in the city of Calcutta, India. And I was reading part of an interview that she did, and it made it very obvious how she lived her life. And the reporter said, well, does anything discourage you? And Mother Teresa responded, I do it with Jesus. I do it for Jesus. I do it to Jesus. That's why we meet and have communion every day at Mass. And the reporter responded, well, where do you get your strength? And Mother Teresa responded, Jesus made himself bread of life to give us strength. Mother Teresa started every day by worshiping God, 
by communing with Him, by being in prayer with Him, by receiving strength from Jesus. It's by this strength that she was able to continually serve and love the people around her. In her book, In the Heart of the World, she wrote, Seeking the face of God in everything, everyone, all the time, and His hand in every happening. This is what it means to be contemplative in the heart of the world. This is the true union of prayer and loving your neighbor. Seeking God and praying while loving your neighbor and being in the heart of the dirty world while seeking and contemplating God. In closing today, I want to ask a big question. Are we devoting ourselves together in one accord to praying and loving our neighbors? Are we continually continuing to pray for our neighbors and for boldness to speak God's word to them? Are you living in homothumadon as we do life together in harmony with each other, moving in the same direction as we love our neighbors? This is what God is calling us to do. And I pray and I hope that as we do that, we would do it in the strength and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and that we would be a place and a people who bring Jesus into all areas of our lives. Mm-hmm.